Amen. So John chapter 15, I'll start with verse 17. Um, the title, I titled this, We Cannot Be Friends of God and the World. And so this is um, still in the series of the Holy Spirit series. And you may think, well, this hasn't seemed like a Holy Spirit um, series yet. Well, we're getting there today. Um, so we are, it is all about the Holy Spirit God is, um, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to go away. Um, that started in chapter 14. We started in 15. Um, and so we're, we're going to finish this chapter today. He says, these things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it, it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world... Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. Can you just say thank you, Jesus? He chose you out of this world. Right? He chose you to come out. We're not a part of it. You used to be. Used to be a part of it, but you're not any longer. But it's the Lord who chose you, bring you out. Remember the word that I said to you a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecute do to you for my namesake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now that they, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. Now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, hallelujah, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, that's one of his titles, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus, I look to you. I just look to you today. Be my source and my strength. Lord, I just really feel in my spirit that you have a word to share with these people with us that I don't have in my notes I don't even have it in my mind but I believe you have something that you're wanting to share and so father I just yield myself to you I yield my voice my energy I yield it to you for the Holy Spirit to speak through me the wisdom of God that they need Father, I pray, Lord, let it be done. Change lives today. Make us into the image of your Son, Jesus. God, have your perfect will and your perfect way in this service. But I pray, Father, that not one of us would leave the same way that we walked into this building. Let us be challenged by the Word. Let us be corrected and reproved, Father, by your Word. So, Lord Jesus, I lay my heart on the altar today, and I ask you, Lord, touch my heart, 
Make it more like you than it's ever been before. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. In the precious name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the last of the seven I am's. I've been saying that every week. The last one, number seven, he says, I am the vine. And he said, you have to abide in the vine. And the word abide in the, um, in the Greek is meno, M-E-N-O. And it means to dwell, to permanently dwell in a relationship or a position. And so he says, you are to abide in my, in the vine. And that's where we receive the nourishment of God. That's where you receive strength and life. It's almost like we are hooked up with an IV straight into the throne of glory, right? Straight into the veins of Christ so that when we are hooked into the vine, the lifeblood of Christ is now flowing through you. And I don't know about you, I need some, I need you to turn up the IV today, right? I, I need him. But he says, he said this two different ways. So in the vine we find nourishment we find life but then the the last week we talked about in three times in about a verse and a half he said abide in my love he he makes a distinction it's in the love of christ that we find out our identity who we really are in him you i'll just prophesy over you you are going to struggle in this life significantly struggle in this life until you determine who you are. Until you know that you are blood-bought. Until you know that He not only calls you a servant, a friend, but He calls you a son. Once you identify your relationship with Him and who you are, then life begins to change. You, you got to know that I am, <clears throat> I'm worth something. I might not be worth something to many people, but I'm worth something to Him. God doesn't create junk, and there's no insignificant people in the body of Christ. There's nobody that says, I can, you can come if you want to. We don't really need you, but you just come on, get on the wagon. <clears throat> no, that's not the will of God. God loves us. I hope you're getting that. See, last week we we studied that. You need to know the love of God. Now, it starts making more sense this week when he starts saying, the world's going to hate you. See, you got to back up and you got to declare, you got to know that he loves you so that you don't fall when the world starts hating you. So it's, it's the love of God that sets our feet on the rock. That's our stabilizing effect. And it's sort of hard to comprehend sometimes how much God loves you when you can't lay your hands on Him. I don't see Him. And I don't hear Him talk audibly. And until your spirit wakes up, and you begin to hear the voice of God calling the sons of God into a relationship with God, thank you, Jesus, that's good, then then you're going to be shaken. 
If your relationship with Jesus is tumultuous, it's like the wave of the sea. God does not want that. He, that is not his best for you. Does that make sense? He is, he's wanting you to, to stay on the solid ground. And so that you are moving closer and higher up all the time. These dips and highs and lows, man, they'll drive you crazy. I live that life. That's no fun. What, what is, what is true joy is knowing that He is with you every day of your life. Knowing that no matter what I go through, He'll get me through it. Why? Because I declare I know the love of God. I know how much He loves me. But I, my responsibility is to abide in Him. We talked about loving is sacrificially placing someone else's desires before your own. I read 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's verses 4 through 8. Sort of put it all together. Love is patient and kind and doesn't envy or parade itself. You know, when I, when I read this, I always think about me. Do, do you? Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so I always think, how am I doing in this? Can I just change your heart for just a second? Where does love come from? So let's look at Him, okay? For just one second. When we start examining this this word love, let's look at the Father for a second. And let's put that identity on Him, okay? So He says, love is patient. Has God been patient with you? Hallelujah. Kind doesn't envy God doesn't parade himself he's definitely not puffed up he's not rude or seeks his own he's not provoked God thinks no evil because he's loved he rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in truth he bears believes and hopes and endures all things love never fails now we know that he is perfect in his love now look at you how are you doing yeah, it's a little, little, yeah, that's it. Every, every one of us feel that way. If I asked you about your prayer life, you'd really say ouch, right? Um, but we are, we are commanded to love. We are abiding in His love because there's a deep desire to keep His commandments. And that's what He said. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if you want to see how your love walk is doing, how are you doing in keeping the commandments of God. What's the commandments of God? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the other commandments and all the words of the prophets. Right? It's what His Word says. In Galatians 5.22, He talks about um, being fruitful and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. That's what this whole chapter is about. Galatians 5.22 says... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's not a personality. My, one of my spiritual sons, Dale, I was thinking about him this week. And I was thinking about how he really 
he really comes really close to these. And, and I know that this is embarrassment to him. But man, he walks in this stuff. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And it's easy to look at Dale and say, well, he's just got the right temperament. But then I thought about Jason. (laughs) Jason and Dale are totally different temperaments. This guy is a bulldog. And if you've ever worked with him, he is a type A personality. I remember when we were redoing this church. And I hooked him up with Daniel and I said, both of you guys are electricians. Why don't you just work together? And, and they have formed such a close friendship. But I, I would talk to, to Jason and I'd say, Jason, let, let, let's stop for just a minute. Let's here, have some lunch. Let's, let's eat a bite. Now, I mean, it was, it was hot that summer. It was really hot and they're up in the attic and they're just sweating. And Jason was like, I ain't got time to stop for lunch. I got so much work to do. I just got to get it done. Right? I mean, he's just a bulldog. Type A. But then I thought about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That's him. That's him. This guy is loving. This guy is patient. Are you getting me? They are different men with different temperaments. But the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of a man. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Spirit comes upon you, He brings His gifts. He brings His fruit into you. Am I making myself clear? See, I, you you got to you got to get what I'm saying right now because I'm getting ready to get ugly with you (laughs) you gotta know the love of god you gotta know what he's called you to do to be right to walk in the fruit of the spirit and then he goes on i want you to know about the love of god and then he says he says love one another a testament to who we are in christ is if we love one another Man, I, I sat back there, I don't even say I teach it anymore, but I, I sat back there with the, the young kids, the uh, college age group, and they teach me from the scripture. Their insight is phenomenal. And they talked about Facebook today, because we were talking about love in our Sunday school class, about the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. And how sometimes we get that backwards. How sometimes when we get to talking to somebody, we think if I just get a little bit more firm and I can make my points. And it comes across as being angry. And so, like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's the anger of God, the anger of man does not bring the righteousness of God. But he tells us very specifically, love each other. So then, if we really, okay, let, let me make one more point. If we love one another, it's not just this church. The body of Christ is much bigger than Bridge of Hope, aren't you thankful? Let, let me say another. The body of Christ is bigger than the assemblies of God. Hallelujah, right? The body of Christ is all of us who proclaim the name of Jesus, Right? And we are to love them. But I disagree with those Church of Christ. 
Whoa. Can we disagree agreeably? Can we still walk in love even though we may not, we may not agree on the finer points? Absolutely. We must cherish love and unity in the body of Christ. Are you getting me? You gotta love one another. If you love one another, don't be writing hateful things on Facebook. You hear me? No wonder the world looks at us and says, those people are messed up. Because we can't get along with each other. We've got to... I, I mean, the love of Christ needs to help you keep your fingers off the keyboard. If you can't say something nice. Is that where we live? That is the world in which we live today. What a person wouldn't say to your face, they'll type it on Facebook where all the world can see it. Folks, love each other. Not just in the little church here of 200 people. Come on. Let's love the people of God. I don't care what the name over their door declares, whether they speak in tongues or not. Ooh, did I just slay a sacred cow? (laughs) Come on, that ain't getting you to heaven. Right? It's the blood of Christ. It's the sacrifice that He made. So that's just an opener. (laughs) The world's going to hate you. That's the sermon today. The world's going to hate you. Growing up, I, I was born in 61, grew up sort of the late 60s, early 70s. And I, I'm going to tell you, the world didn't hate the church in the 70s. They didn't hate the church in the 80s. I don't even think they hated the church in the 90s. But something about the new millennium. Something about 2000 and those years to come. There is a great divide in our nation and the world. I don't think it's just our nation. There's a great divide, and it's the spirit of Antichrist that is coming to bring division among us. And so Jesus' words are coming more clear than they've ever been before. The world's going to hate you because they hated me before you. And so if you are walking in fellowship with him, that's what, that's what this book is talking, that's what this chapter is talking about. Those who are abiding in the vine, abiding in his love, abiding in his joy, the world's gonna hate you. And you gotta deal with it. Cause you cannot be hateful back. That's what he's saying. Don't act like they act. Even if they spit in your face, and they may. I had a kid one time say that to me in ninth grade in high school. He said, what if somebody spit in your face because you're a Christian? I said, I'd deck them. (laughs) I didn't have full revelation of the love of Christ when I was 14. And uh, you be careful when you begin to think what ifs, because a lot of times if you begin to dwell on the what ifs, they may happen. Sure enough, somebody spit in my face. And I swung, I swung at the fence, buddy. I'm gonna tell you, I meant to, I meant to deck him. I just missed him. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> True Christians need to understand that the world system and the system of God is totally contrary to each other. So the things that God has revealed to us, the things that are of value to us, absolutely foolishness to the world. And so now the world is to the point where they're looking and they're saying, we would do better without you. It's you that are causing the problems. You narrow-minded bigots. And that's what they feel. And we have been called to love them. Now, he says love one another, but he also says that we are to love them. How can we preach the gospel to people that we hate? Right? We need, we need to love them. The world, including, including the religious, are going to hate you. Remember, it's the religious people that hung Christ on the cross. Right? The enemies of God will reject, oppose, and persecute His faithful followers until the end. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. The closer that you get to Christ, the more that the world will, will hate you. As long as you are nominal... You're okay. But when you start being radical, and I'm just, I'll just declare this right now, this is not a church for nominal Christians. Amen. It's just not. If you want to be a nominal Christian, you're in the wrong church. Because you and I, I'm just going to punch you all the time. I'm just going to keep hitting you with the word. Right? Because God didn't call you to be nominal. God called us to be on fire for Him. And on fire for God is going to set other people on fire, right? So Jesus is saying, you got to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. In 1 John verse chapter 4, now you got to realize when you read the book of 1 John, he talks, he says, little children, young men, fathers. He does that two or three times in his book. He, he writes to the young to the little children, he writes to the young men. He write, what's he doing? He's writing to maturity levels. And this first one, he's he's writing. He's writing to the little children. In other words, you ought to already have this one. Are you getting me? Because you're not little children. We may be young men, we may be fathers, but the level of maturity in this body is a little higher than beginners. So he says this, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. They are of the world. They speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. In other words, both are present. The spirit of truth is present, but the spirit of error is present. But you know the spirit of truth. So it's going to put us hitting, knocking heads with the world all the time. 
In James 4, verse 4, this is a, James is a hard, hard writer. And so the very first words of this just sort of slaps you around a little bit. And he says, you adulterers. What, what's he talking about? He's talking about us. When we fall back in love with the world, when we go back into the world, we are, cre- we are committing spiritual adultery. And there's not a one of us in here that hadn't done it. So James says, you adulterers. So the very first two words, you say, Jesus, forgive me, right? Adultery is a serious thing. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Let me say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I don't want to be a friend of the world if it makes me an enemy of God. There's something in every one of us that wants to please people. Right? He's making it really straight to us today. You cannot do both of these. You cannot please me and please the world. I'm calling you out of that system to be different, to be separate, says the Lord. So I wanted to read, because I I think a lot of you, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and a lot of you think, well, I'm not there. No, you're not. None of us are. But let me read the works of the flesh. I like how it says this. Fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh. So it's just a couple verses before um, Galatians 5.22 is Galatians 5.19. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, or they're clear. They're adultery. That's not spiritual adultery. That's physical adultery. It's fornication, which the Greek word for fornication is pornea, which we get our word pornography, which a lot of people want to say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Bible doesn't address it. Yes, it does. And there is something wrong with it. Don't get quiet on me. You get quiet on me, it makes me want to come back to that point and just hammer it. (laughs) Fornication is sex outside of marriage. It's uncleanness. It's lewdness. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Anything you place before God. Sorcery. The word there, the Greek word is pharmakia. Talking about drug use. Hatred, contention, quarreling all the time, jealousy, outbursts of of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Buddy, now that's serious. Those that practice these things are not going to heaven. That, that's not my words. I wouldn't be brave enough to say it. It's the, it's the word of God. And yet we have lots of Christians sort of living in this camp. But I, I wanted you to just to look at this because those of you that think I'm not doing very good on the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering. Well, compared to this list, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. 
I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, I'm a whole lot closer to the fruit of the Spirit than I am the works of the flesh. Woo, wow, it's just one person agreed with that? Come on. I, I really want you to get this. Which camp are you living in? Are you living in the work of the flesh and all these characteristics are coming out of? Or are you dwelling in the Holy Ghost? Are you abiding in the vine and the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life? I'm not saying perfection. I'm just saying I'm a whole lot closer to that love, joy, peace, long-suffering than I am to the adultery, fornication, and murder. I hadn't killed anybody this week. Someone, someone told me, um, they saw a t-shirt that, um, someone was telling me about this. I thought, man, if I could get that t-shirt. It says, I'm practicing patience. If you only knew in my mind, I've already slapped you twice. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you, I think you're better off than what you think. Does, does that make sense to me? We're closer. Like when the, when I first started studying this, the Lord says, I'm not looking to do a makeover. I'm looking to tweak them. Did you hear me? I believe that was the Spirit of the Lord saying we need tweaked. We've already been born again. But now we need... In other words, every time we get into the Word of God, the Word of God is trying to tweak us. It's trying to... It's just the small changes like... That outburst of anger you had the other day, that wasn't to me. And you take back and you say, you know what, I'm so sorry about that. Do Christians sin? Absolutely. First John 1, 8 and 9, he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You're a liar. You know the one thing that I, when I go witnessing, the one thing that people will never argue with me, is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. And you say, have you sinned? They'll say, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not denying that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sinner. They'll all, everybody will agree with that. I don't think I've ever, ever talked to anyone that didn't agree with that. And then he says, if we confess our sin, I want you to see that. He says, if, not when. You see, too many Christians are living in the camp that says, when I sin, I have an advocate with a father. That is not what the Word of God says. You're making a provision for your flesh. You may not understand it, but if you if you substituted the word if for when, you're making a provision for you to sin. And he's not doing that. He's not saying when you sin, I'm saying if this happens to you. Mm-mm-mm. That bothers me on the church of today if we sin we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in first john five eighteen, he says we know that god's children do not make a practice of sinning can i read it again we know that god's children do not make a practice of sinning For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. 
when people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been um, sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who we are. They're the children of God and who the children of the devil. Anyone who does live does not live righteously, does not love others, believers, does not belong to God. John is straightforward. But listen to me closely. I don't want condemnation to come on you. He's saying, you're going to mess up. And when you mess up, if you mess up, you have an advocate with the Father. You go to the Lord and say, Jesus, I blew it again. But that does not give you an excuse to live in sin. If you are living in sin, practicing a sinful... I just read to you the works of the flesh. If you are living there in that camp, I think you need to revisit your salvation experience. I figured it would get quiet. I didn't know it would get that quiet. <laughs> Folks, I, I don't like preaching that because I know we hear condemnation because the devil's right there to jump all over you. That's not what I want. I want you to get it. You're a child of God. But children of God, don't make excuse to live any way you want to live. Are you hearing me? So this chapter ends. I've only really got two points to this message. One is the world is going to hate you. Number two is help is on the way. Amen. Help is on the way. In the last two verses, we have our hope. It says, but when the helper, their parakletos is the, is the Greek word, the parakletos, when the advocate comes, the spirit of truth, that's all defining who the spirit is, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness or testify of me, because you have been with me from the beginning. The reason that we have the sin problem in the church is because we've been scared of the Spirit. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you, you need to make a friend of the Spirit of God. He is the helper. And so if you have difficulty, you know, David said, when I concealed my sin, my bones waxed within me. They just started decaying inside because I was trying to hide something. Folks, you cannot, you can hide your sin from me. You cannot hide your sin from God. And God is calling the church in this last day. He's calling us to a spirit of holiness, I think, more than ever before. But we're not going to do it by ourselves. He said, when the helper comes. Jesus is saying, now when the helper comes, he's going to help you through this. See, the things that you don't think you can do on your own, the helper will help you. And so what happens is Pentecostals get the message of the Holy Ghost and we get stupid with it. 
You hear me? Because I'm preaching truth to you. Pentecostals have made the rest of the body of Christ scared of the Holy Ghost. Folks, don't be scared of the Holy Spirit. The stupid human tricks are us. They're not of Him. Are you kidding? The Spirit of God is subject to the man of God. He will not come upon you and cause you to be or do or act any foolish way. Carrie Vine's dad, he used to call them serial Christians. What was it? Flakes, fruits, and nuts. <laughs> the Pentecostal church has a way of drawing that to it. And I think it's God. I think it's God who allows those people to come in where he can stabilize them. Where he can bring sanity to their mind and, and ground them in, in the Spirit of God, in the Word of God. So here's my testament to you. I know many of you, most of you, have not grown up in a Pentecostal church. And you're, you're a bit afraid of us. <laughs> you, you may be thinking, I don't really want to act like they do. You don't have to. But when the helper comes, and he has come, this time is over. Jesus is not on earth anymore. He's gone and the helper's here. He is called the spirit of truth. Did you get what he said? He said, he's going to testify of me. He's going to tell you the nature of Jesus. Folks, I, let, me, let me just say, the nature of Jesus is all good. There's no shadow of turning with God. He doesn't wake up on a, on a bad day, in a bad mood. He doesn't, he's not angry with you. He loves you. So, who is this helper? He is the third part of the Godhead. He is God. It, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of God the Holy Spirit. He is the agent of God on the earth right now. And he is called the helper, the paracletos, the one who's called alongside of you to get your back. So when you get to a point where it's just you just don't think I can go on, I can't accomplish this, this is too hard for me to do, the Spirit of God says, but I can. I can teach you how to overcome. I, I've already overcome the world. We must form a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. Embrace Him. He was sent to help you. This chapter, the last part of this chapter, is difficult. It's difficult for me to stand in front of you and say, the world's going to hate you. And the closer you get to God, the more they'll hate you the more they're going to talk about you. That's what it says. But the helper has come. And the things that you don't think that you can accomplish in yourself, you don't have to. He's here. He will help you. He'll get us home safely if we trust Him. He will... We're studying a book in the men's group. 
He will make you unoffendable. Where people can talk about you. Where people can say ugly things about you. And it's like pouring water on a duck's back. It just doesn't bother you anymore. Why? Because the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. I interchange those words a lot. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Ghost. And the old King James had called him the Holy Ghost. And the new King James calls him the Holy Spirit. Lots of spirits on the earth right now. A lot of evil spirits. The Spirit of Antichrist is here, is what John says. The Spirit of Antichrist is already present. We need to know the truth. We need to cling to the truth. The helpers here. Now, what do you need help doing? Can I just say something? I think many Christians have their sights set way too low. Here's what I'm saying. You're making a provision for your flesh. Because you don't think you can do it. Well, I'm not good. I, I ain't, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I know you're not good. <laughs> but you know what? He's good. And the helper has come. You know, our own hearts will deceive us. you got to pray to the Holy Spirit to show you your own heart. The helper will help you in your marriage. He will help you in all your relationships. He'll help you at work. He'll help you to that person that you know hates you. He'll help you. He'll make a way. He'll help you in your finances. There's not an area in our lives that the helper will not help if we allow him to. So why are we keeping him like this? Don't get too close to him. He bites. (laughs) No, he doesn't. (laughs) Right? Are Are you understanding me? And it's because of what you have seen. It's because of the stories you have heard. And I'm just trying to come to tell you there's nothing bad in the Holy Spirit. He's all good because He's all God. And so I'm telling you, invite the Holy Spirit into your life, into your everyday walk with Him. The Bible says, keep in step with the Holy Ghost. Keep in step. Don't let Him get behind you and don't you get ahead of Him. That's where I mess up. But keep in step. Keep tandem. You know how oxen work together? My father-in-law worked mules. And he said there's just some of them that they just work together so well. You just kept them together all the time. Because they just, they, they read each other. And so that's what we are to be with the Holy Spirit. We are to walk in tandem with the Holy Spirit. And we read, read Him. You know one time Paul said this. He didn't say he knew the perfect will of God. He said, it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. You know, I find that's where we live more times than not. Not not that the Holy Spirit is is giving us the everyday direction. We'll turn right here. Don't buy that orange. Buy this bag of oranges. I've met people like that anywhere I live. But here's where I live. Lead me. Guide me. Let me walk in step with you, Holy Spirit. Bring the appointments into my life that you want me to walk into. 
the helper is here. Now get out of the world and get into the helper. That's the way I read that last part. There's a choice to be made. Are you living too close to the world? And if you are, repent. Don't get under condemnation because condemnation is not going to help you. Just repent. Tell the Lord, Father, I want to serve you with all my heart. I want to walk with you, but I need your help. Give me the Holy Spirit to help me. Would you stand with me? (laughs) Did she say amen or thank you, Jesus? (laughs) Dan, don't be giving her words back there. (laughs) I want to pray with you. If you have, if your spirit has been under conviction, like, man, I've been living in too much sin. I I hate to say this, but I sort of identified with the works of the flesh. And my mind's been in the gutter, or my mind's been here, or my eyes have been before this or that, and I've been flying off with my mouth, and I've been angry. And I just identify with that stuff that you just read. I'm going to ask you, would you just surrender that to the Lord? Will you make a conscious decision to say, Lord, I I want to move out of that camp. I don't want to live there any longer. I want to live under the divine nature of God and I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you, will you confess that to the Lord? silently to yourself will you just say God I've been a mess and I'm asking you today forgive me forgive me I want to walk with you but I need that helper will you just ask the Lord Father send me the Holy Spirit send me the Holy Spirit to help me I need help Jesus, I come before you right now on behalf of myself and this congregation. God, this has been a difficult sermon to preach. But Lord, I know it's your word and I know it's a a word in due season. I know, Father, you're identifying us and there's no accidents that are here today. You have brought them into the house of God to hear the word of God. Father, I pray right now that the Spirit of God would begin to help us move out of the works of the flesh into the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus, we need the Spirit of God. And I ask you right now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me overflowing with the Spirit of God. I need you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now. Let the spiritual work be done as we cry out to you. Fill us up, Lord, with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we move on in this series of the Holy Spirit, we're going to find that when you get born again, the Spirit of God comes in you. But there's another work called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we will be talking about that, and we will be hopefully laying hands on you
to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, pour it on me, Jesus. Pour it on me. I need all of you that I can get. Amen. I know that Jill wants to speak to you for a minute. Brother Denny, would you come and dismiss us? I kind of want to dance and I kind of want to cry, but it's a good cry. You guys turned it out for a helping hand. I am so proud of you. Give yourself a hand. I don't know what our grand total is. I asked last night and they said they are not going to know till the very end of the auction, which will be at the end of February, potentially the first of March in case there's bad weather. But there was bad weather, and you guys still turned it out, and you made a ton of food, and we bid, and we bid high. Um, all you guys that were there, who had fun? It was amazing. It is exactly what I was asking you all to do, and I'm just so proud of you, so thank you. Hey, just a few announcements before we leave. Uh... If you haven't received your giving record for last year, uh, see Pat at the back of the, in the foyer there. She's the little lady that always wanders up and down the aisles if you don't know who Pat is. Uh, but see her and get your giving record. Uh, I, I know for me, I, I make sure to get it, but I know I'm a finance guy and it's, it's uh, more important for me. But the important thing, I think, is that you get a hold of this so that Next year, you can look back and see how much your giving has changed from one year to the next, right? Whether or not you use it when file your taxes and all that, that's uh, really here nor there. But I think it's important that we, we gauge our growth in areas like this. So that's a, a wonderful way to do that is to keep track of your giving record. So if you haven't got it, uh, please be sure to get that. Uh, let me see. Oh, we have, you know, Pastor mentioned earlier that, that we're not uh, a church for nominal Christians, right? So we do a lot of outreach. Uh, we go out in streets, we knock on doors, and we share the gospel with people. Uh, we're doing that again in February. I forgot to write down the date. What's the date in February? There it is, on the 10th. So uh, this is your opportunity to... So uh, they had the membership class again this morning. Uh, from what I could see, like you know, 15 or so people. Wonderful. Uh, if you choose, you want to become a uh, official member of Bridge of Hope. You do have some paperwork to fill out. So please see Pastor or, or Sherry Marlin or somebody and get that paperwork to fill that out. Uh, because March 17th is our annual business meeting. So if you want the ability to vote in that meeting. You need to be a member, okay? You don't have to be a member to come and to listen and to, uh, to experience it, but if you want to vote, you need to be a member, okay? So uh, I encourage you to do that uh, because that, that'll give you some time to get the paperwork, look it over, decide if you want to fill it out, decide if you want to become a member or not. Uh, there's that. So I think that's all the uh, ones I have. And then one more.
Yes. Three o'clock on the twenty eighth, January twenty eighth. Uh, okay. Okay. February seventeenth, the Valentine's dinner that the youth are gonna uh, put on for us older folks. Uh, we get uh, get fed and, and all that stuff. So uh, put up, put those on your calendar as well, and then. One more? Okay, yeah. Because I'm sure there were a lot of people with the weather and everything. That uh, I know we had a lot of people that couldn't make it out of their driveway this morning and everything. So uh, there will be another membership class next Sunday here in the sanctuary again. Okay. So that means our class that normally meets here will meet uh, in a different room, probably in the quiet room out across from the nursery again. Uh, so I think that's everything. Raise your hand. Receive the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you, and may He keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord live His countenance upon you and give you peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Now go in peace and serve the Lord.